Biz Women Rock, episode 197. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am the lucky one who gets to bring you every single week an amazing story about a businesswoman who has grown her business and has a very, very real and authentic story to share about it. Uh, And the point is to be able to bring these stories here so that you can not only connect and know that you are not the only businesswoman out there going through ups and downs, but also to be able to dig in and give you some very practical things that you can take away from this and implement in your own business. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to the founder of one of the largest networking groups for women in North America. Her name is Sandra Yancey, the founder of eWomen Network. Now, um, even though I had planned to talk to Sandra about, you know, like her building out process, you know, I'm a process-driven person. So like, you know, the structure of her business and how she's built it out, um, she, it ended up being a very personal conversation about who she was as a business owner and who she's become as a business owner and as a leader um, and how she manages herself, how she manages her team, how she has grown throughout all of these years. Just a wonderful personal conversation that I really know that you'll enjoy. Um, But a couple of stats about eWomen Network. So they are a multi-million dollar global company. They're in six different countries. They have 118 chapters. And they run a 1,000 events per year. That is a lot of events, <laughs> including their big annual eWomen Network conference uh, that they hold in Dallas every year. And that is the largest women's conference in North America. So um, she kind of kind of has built kind of a big deal here. And, um, and so in this conversation, we really get into how she's done that and who she's become in that process. It's just an awesome conversation. You're going to love her and uh, can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get going. Miss Sandra Yancey, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful being with you, Katie. (laughs) Well, I am very excited um, Number for many, many reasons. Number one, you and I have a very strong shared interest, which is um, really being able to support women business owners and doing that in some really cool, unique ways and being able to help them collectively and help them connect and help them all sort of rise together. And um, and I think you are just, I have pegged you as somebody who's just really open and honest about what it's all really like. And I that's really mm-hmm. what I love to have on this show. So, so I, I, as always, I think in order to really dig into what's been going on in your business and, and all of the cool things that you've had happen to you along the journey, I'd like to start at the beginning. So can you explain a little bit about what precipitated the beginning of eWomen e- Network? How did that idea even get in your mind? Well, I was a small town uh, girl, born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. I actually thought I lived in the Big D back then. <laughs> then I moved to Dallas. And then you <laughs> really realized. found out that you had exactly. never experienced the Big D before. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but the benefits of being in a moving to a major city like Dallas is that you know, I looked around and I saw that it was world headquarters for, you know, Frito-Lay and JCPenney's and Texas Instruments. And Ross Perot had his big complex, EDS complex. And, you know, when you grow up and you live in a small town like Dayton and you want to have a, a portfolio of Fortune 500 companies uh, as your clients, you have to leave Dayton, Ohio, to get on a 
a, a plane. Right. When I moved to Dallas, I thought, oh, this could be really cool. I could actually be home in the evenings with my children, who were very small at the time. My son, when I first moved to Dallas, was just turned one years old, and Brianna was just starting kindergarten in, in um uh, six, going to be turning six. And so I, um, I thought this would be really great. And so I started to network and, uh, I went to networking events and Katie, I found them to be very insightful. I, I really learned what the good old boys club was really all about. And I say that just to be crystal clear with a tremendous amount of respect and a tremendous amount of awe um, of what I witnessed. I mean, honestly, I thought, no wonder guys are running corporate America. I mean, they got it going on. They had figured this out. I witnessed them sharing contacts and leads and information and, you know, doing transactions with each other and bringing their protégés. And everybody was very kind to me. I was always treated with the utmost of respect, yet I wasn't really invited to play in the game, you know? Mm. I really felt like I was relegated to you know, almost into the stands, like a football game where I'm in the stands and I'm just admiring, you know, the game on the field. And I wanted to play. And so I started going to women's groups. I'd never really done that before. And at least back in 1999, Katie, I just, I just, witness them to be very social in nature. And I, I felt like I didn't get the memo. I, I didn't understand <laughs> at the time. It felt like women were doing everything in pairs, you know, like they showed up, you know, with their girlfriend. They sat and watched the speaker with their girlfriend. They had lunch with their girlfriend. They went to the bathroom with their girlfriend. <laughs> they left with their girlfriend. I mean, everything is done. And I felt like people looked at me like, what, you don't have a girlfriend? Because I showed up alone. Right. And I just found the conversation being really hard you know, Katie, to go from, you know, did you find a parking spot? How's the weather? Do you have kids? Where'd you go to school? Where your kids go to school? All of that, which is great, you know, but I found it difficult moving those interactions to talking about business. And my, my thought was, well, where are the women that are really interested in building million dollar businesses? And I just couldn't find them. And right. so that was the impetus. I kind of started my own. So, you know, Having this like, oh, yes, I'm going to start my own and actually doing it and actually see, <laughs> like actually having people show up or be part right. of this network. I mean, those are very different things. What, you know, one of the things I don't talk about on this show very often is that my husband and I actually run for the past seven years a local uh, boutique uh, Tampa Bay business owners, like an entrepreneur's focused, very business focused group. So I understand that there's a very big difference between, hey, we've got this idea and now it's this thriving mm. community. So right. what, um, what happened to actually make it real for you? Well, I mean, I did what I think most um, entrepreneurs do, do. I mean, we have, you know, I look, I think I refer to myself as I was just ignorance on fire. I mean, I was just <laughs> totally excited about what I didn't know. Right. <laughs> you know? And I just popped up this shingle and had business cards made and kind of went to work, so to speak. And, you know, let me just say that um, I, I, a, a, upon reflection, I'm glad for that period of time because honestly, Katie, if I had really known what I was getting into, the struggles that I would have, you know, the obstacles I would need to overcome, I think I would have chosen to do something different. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's yeah. something to be said about moving into something that you feel is going to bring you meaning because when you do something not for the money, but for the meaning 
that that's really what sustains you over the tough roads, over the really tough, through the really tough times. And, um, uh, you know, the business as it is today is not at all the business that I wanted it to be, that I, that I started it out to be. And, you know, I, I actually thought, and I learned a very powerful lesson about this whole notion of timing, because if you think about e-women network, mm-hmm. certainly it was building on the whole electronics, like email, right? Right. right. Uh, today, the E stands for, you know, entrepreneur, enterprising, enthusiastic, enthralled. I mean, all the exciting, all the E's that we build on. But the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, it was kind of like Facebook for women entrepreneurs, and that's what and, you had decided first and foremost. You you didn't even think that it would be sort of like this in person networking, which is a lot of what oh, it is now. No, you thought it would no, be this no. online sh- social network. Exactly. But the problem was in two thousand. By the time I'd finished my business plan and my marketing plan and opened my doors, September eighteenth of two thousand. If you think about it, we were still all on dial up. I mean, you know, it, th- there was. <laughs> right? It's so funny to I mean, think about now. All, yeah, I mean, it was all plain text. Right, right. rich text. There was no color. There were no photos. There was no video. There was no social media. There wasn't even Google. I mean, it was just a very different time. Right. And so, what I learned, you have to sell the way your customers buy. So, what I learned was instead of beating myself up against the the window pane, I liken it to the fly. In fact, I, I remember being very broke one day. It's to the point that I couldn't even afford a cup of tea and I went into this little bistro after dropping my kids off at school and they had cups with hot water and I got hot water, lemon and honey because I had just, I was like, I was so broke. I was, you know, robbing Peter to mug Paul. I mean, to this day, to this day, I swear to you, Katie, to this day, I cannot go into these coffee shops and spend $6 on a cup of coffee because all of that was coming, you know, to popularity when I was broke, right. you know, I right. mean, completely busted. And so, uh, and to this day when, you know, I, I don't, you'll never see me in a, in a coffee store buying a $6 cup of coffee. I just can't do that. <laughs> and I mean, cause I, I know people that do it, you know, $6 times, you know, seven days a week, 42, that's one, I mean, you know, you start doing the math on that and it's like scary to me and then they're struggling in their business and they yeah. want to know why. Yeah. So, you know, it's about learning how to focus on the things that are really important. And I, I just, I learned that I had to sell the way my customers buy that, you know, I had to, you know, present my business, you know, um, the way my prospect wanted to hear it. And so I had to shift my business model. I didn't have to give up on my dream. I just had to give up on the vehicle by which to deliver the dream. And once I did that, things started shifting, really started shifting. But, you know, I was a student. I mean, clearly a student. I knew nothing. I I mean, I'd never planned, you know, other than my wedding, which was a pretty pathetic thing. You uh, (laughs) You know, I'd never really planned a major party before. You know, I mean, I was just starting to do, you know, uh, Thanksgiving dinners. <laughs> how many? <laughs> Let how, alone. How many people showed up to your to your main event or your first event? My my very very first event. Well, so here's what was happening. So we had these we had these these little bistros in Dallas called La Madeleine's. I don't know if you have mm-hmm. them. You know where you are in Tampa or wherever anybody is listening to, but they're not. They're, their footprint isn't all over the U.S., but. Uh, they're, they're here and there and everywhere. And they have this back room. And this back room was first come, first serve. 
so they would open at seven o'clock. So I would be, you know, in the parking lot at six forty-five because, <laughs> and I would order the coffee, French and American coffee, and a bunch of croissants, right? And of course, you know, ten, twelve people would say they were coming, and of course, people, you know, three people would show up, right? Right. And I would right. act like I'd only invited three people, even though I had croissants for, you know, half a dozen, for you know, a dozen <laughs> and a half croissants. Wanted you to know, make sure everyone I, had plenty, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. And then I would take them home and freeze them. And I don't know if you've ever had a frozen croissant croissant you know that you know you cut it in half and then you put it in the microwave for about 30 seconds and you put ice cream and chocolate sauce around two o'clock in the morning when you're dead tired and you need a little bolt of energy I mean you know and then 15 pounds later I was like oh my gosh I gotta stop these croissants so but you know I mean it was the proverbial of oh I'll come I'll come and then you know a fraction of the people come but you know when it started to you know I just kept I just kept saying okay so here's the deal it wasn't that the it wasn't that the the meetings were wrong, but I called the meetings, which I found out you know makes people want to throw up. I mean, mm. who wants another meeting in their life? And to this day, we call them events. So I learned the power of languaging. Right. You know, it's all about languaging, right, and creating an image and a vision. A vision. When people say they're going to an event, that's a conjures up a very different image than right. going to another meeting, right? And secondly, I noticed that, you know, uh, seven o'clock in the morning was a really crappy time to hold a meeting <laughs> for, you know, for moms, right? For yep. moms, yep. right? Because they're still getting their kids up and ready and out and all of that. So again, it's sometimes we, we beat ourselves up and we say our idea is wrong when our idea isn't wrong. It just might be that we're not really paying attention to our ideal client and what is their profile like in terms of how they operate, not just their business, but their life. And once I started really zeroing in on that, I started making shifts. Well, and that's what I was going to ask. When, how long did it take you to sort of keep coming up against these like little lessons and then making a shift, a lesson? I mean, look, I know that this is like the the daily habit of any entrepreneur. Like I hit a lesson and then I shift. I hit a lesson, then I shift. But in those first, right, in exactly. that first kind of chunk of time, how long did it take you to kind of hit your stride where you were like, I've got, I, I'm calling it the right thing. I'm hitting the right, right people and they're coming. About three, three and a half years. Got it. Um, you know, because... See, you know, so many of us, I think, come out of corporate America, and, and we and corporate America has all these values by which they do their performance appraisals, at least the ones that I came out of. Right. And, you know, and, and they had this list. And when you did your self-appraisal, you know, you always wanted to pick those words and incorporate them in so that you could demonstrate your value to the company. And where I came from, words like stick with itness and tenacity and perseverance and never give up, right? I mean, those were all things that were lauded and many things that I had been successful at and rewarded for. And what I learned is all the skills that we typically use to be successful as an, as an inter- entrepreneur, as a, as a corporate employee, don't necessarily translate quite so well as an entrepreneur. Because those very skills, stick with it, itness, uh, you know, tenacity, perseverance, never give up. I mean, have you ever watched a fly on a windowsill? Right. I mean, just keeps, you know, banging itself up against the window pane. I mean, you don't have to swat a fly once they make it to the windowsill. Just leave it there and come back the next day. Right. I mean, it's like on its back, totally, not only just exhausted, you know, but dead. And that's what we do as entrepreneurs. We just keep trying harder and harder, harder and harder and longer and longer and longer, hoping, you know, that, you know, that will get us through. When, you know, I've learned anything that I've, you know, thought, said, or, or felt three times, tried three times, indicates significance. I need to stop, pause, and say, okay, I must be doing something wrong here. It's just not supposed to be that hard. And what I can tell I you that, that I did was I learned that I needed to get out of isolation. 
you know, I think as entrepreneurs, it's very easy, and particularly solopreneurs in the beginning. And, you know, look, I have a staff. I have almost, you know, 60-some people on the payroll now in a corporate office, three quarters of a floor in a tower in Dallas. And what I can tell you is I can be with my staff and still get lonely. Right. right? right. I mean, because that's an, a self-imposed condition. And I used to think I had to have all the answers, and that's what would create my loneliness. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know what the answers were, so I kept silent about it. You know, and what I've learned is that really great leadership is not about having the answers. Really great leadership is about having a vision and then asking really smart questions. Right. And it starts out with something as basic as, do you have any ideas of how we might be able to do this? Right, right, <laughs> I mean, right. this is like not rocket science. Right? <laughs> well, along those lines, as far as like, you know, kind of who you are surrounding yourself by, in this evolution of eWomen Network, I, I am a big believer that you have to have really great people around you, sort of as confidants. You know, like I kind of believe in this like multi-layered approach. Like you have people mm-hmm. you go to for certain things, right? But when it comes to business and like, hey, I'm having a really down moment. I need help brainstorming this out. Um, you, are, I would imagine, were sort of in this precarious position because you were seen as this leader in the community. And although maybe with your team, you could share certain things about where you guys were going, what was going on. But, um, you know, like the larger, the community at large, you were seen as this leader. So did you ever have challenge sort of finding confidence, like people to be have in your really inner circle that you could trust to help you work through some of this stuff? Because, you know, the people sort of in your general community, they were the ones getting affected by some of those decisions and kind of what you were going through. So I would imagine that that was kind of a, a and maybe still is like a really, uh, you know, kind of a specific it, it, balance it to is. have. It still is. Because as you grow, your team will change because there will people, there will be people who simply will not be comfortable with the woman you know that you must become in order to fulfill the dream. Mm. You know, so your relationships will shift and change. And let me just tell you, I think Vince Lombardi, you know, famous football coach, said something that, you know, winning isn't, you know, everything, it's the only thing. Well, let me just tell you, relationships in business aren't everything, they're the only thing. Mm. Uh, You know, you fundamentally cannot grow a business without great relationships. And I think of them as kind of two buckets. I I train, you know, my coaching students um, that, and we start out with people. We start out with people being number one. It's like, you know, evaluating who are the people that you're hanging out with. Because let me just say this, you can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets right, right right so you know it's about having what i like to say your two levels of a teams you want to have your always team these are the people that you're tapping into and by the way you know for for women in particular i might say that these are not your girlfriends right i mean right. your personal kind of girlfriends you hang out with and then there's your business you know colleagues right, right. it's very very rare that a girlfriend um can function as both very rare. And, and if you're lucky, you'll find one of them. So if you're looking at kind of what I say is who are your professional six, right, versus your personal six, if they're the same, uh, that's an automatic opportunity for you to say, hmm, how might I be doing this differently? Right. Right. Because your girlfriends are so in love with you. By definition, they're your girlfriends. You know, right. I love my girlfriends, right? That when someone is in love with you, right, they can no longer be that truly unbiased third party to hold up the mirror and help you exactly when you need it, as you need it, in the way you need it to be said, right? Because if I love my best friend, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, she's got all this other stuff going on in her right. life right now. And, you're a lot more you know sympathetic, and you're not going right. to be as hard on her. Right. <laughs> You've got all these filters yeah. that are preventing you from 
in the spirit of love and good intentions, holding back from helping her as she may need it most. Yeah. You know, it happens, but it's just so, so rare. So you need your always team. And then you need, and those are the people that you can tap into every day. And then you need your access team. You need the people that are, you know, 50,000 feet above you that are so far in advance. They're not threatened by you. And they really are in that season of lifting as they climb. They know that they can give you, they just have a view because you're like, you know, feet on the ground and they're so far above. They can see what it is. You can't see Exactly. that are just giving you, and they don't have to be in your line of business. That's a fallacy. You know, I mean, you know, the people that I tap into, Laura Herring, runs a $50 million business out of St. Louis. It's a career development company, very different business than mine. You know, Matthew Knowles, who is the, you know, father of Beyonce, you know, who was number three selling medical equipment worldwide for Xerox, quit his job to manage his daughter through 2012, way, you know, um, after she became the mega, mega superstar that she is today. You know, different people, Hiram Smith, you know, who started out of his garage, the Franklin Planning Company, and then bought his best friend Stephen Covey's company when he had the best-selling book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, rebranded it, took it to a public uh, business, almost a billion dollars, right? Mm. So these are three different individuals just off the top of my head that I can call at any time to get some advice. They're not in my line of business. They're so far above me, it's not funny. But I take what they say, and I don't necessarily adopt it, but I adapt it. I say, how can that fit for me? How can I take that, change the O and adopt to an A and adapt, adapt it and apply it in my business? Because the fundamentals of running a business I'm finding are very universal. Right, right. Um, circling back to this whole kind of foundational element of relationships, um, I want to talk about your how you've delegated so well. And th- mm-hmm. there's so many layers to this and examples of this in your business, but I, there's two in particular I want to talk about. So number one is that you at some point decided to expand the eWomen Network brand and have directors, leaders in different communities other than Dallas, go and start their own uh, eWomen Network branch um, and community out in different places. So on that level, the question is, how did you properly and what lessons did you learn in delegation there? And then also with your staff, and and, you know, now you have a pretty uh, huge staff, but you know, along the ways, what lessons have you learned uh, to successfully delegate tasks to other people? Because there are so many people listening right now who are, that is their number one challenge that they just can't seem to delegate. They need help desperately, but some they're just not finding the right people. They're not having good experiences with people that they're delegating to. So on both of those levels, what has been your experience with delegation and how you, what lessons that you've learned in it and how you've been able to do it successfully? Okay, so here's here's the bottom line. I mean, in the end, this is the bottom line, and that is you, I mean, nobody makes it alone, and your goal should be, and it takes a while to get here, so you have to be patient with yourself, and don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. You know, if you're beginning, don't compare yourself to my middle, because I've been where you are if you're just starting out. Right. I would tell you that your goal should be that you are doing in your business only the things that only you can do. Okay, let me say that again, because this is, this is a, if I had known this earlier, I would have prevented a tremendous amount of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. and that is this, your goal is to get in your business that 
only you are doing only the things that you can do. And you're getting out all getting out of all of the busy work and all of the administrivia that is weighing you down. So what I know is and what I teach is both to my managing directors, to my staff and myself and those people that I coach, that is this. Your to-do list needs to be made not day of but the day before. Mm-hmm. The night before. You should know before you go to bed exactly what your day tomorrow should be like. Because if you're waiting to think about it when you get up, when your feet hit the floor, it's too late. You know why? Because as an entrepreneur, life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, it's 10 o'clock in the morning before you've been really serious and strategic about how you're supposed to get your day done. Right. I mean, I know people that don't that say, oh, I love to make lists. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning before they stop and make their list. And then they write down all the things they've done just so they can cross <laughs> them off to make themselves. I don't know that. who does that. Right. I have the right. little okay. guilty. I just love all writing right. stuff right. down that I've done so I could cross it off. That makes me feel good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I used to do that, too. But what I what I found is then I let. I was letting the business run me versus me run my business, right? right? So if you learn to make your list before, now, some, some people like to use technology, some people like to use, you know, paper, whatever the thing is. I still like, I have a, like a little journal, you know what I mean? And, and that's how I am old fashioned in that way because I make a T-chart. Every single night I make a T-chart. And, I, and so now I have two columns. The left-hand side, I label important. And the right side, I label distractions. Hmm. So that as I'm having my stream of consciousness, I'm focusing on business now. You're making a list for your business, right? So as I go through my stream of consciousness, I'm carefully deciding, you know, which column I write this on. Now, let me define important so that we're all on the same page because important can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. In business, as the CEO of your business, Important is, this, is defined as those things that make the cash register ring. So maybe after the word important, you put a big dollar sign. Mm-hmm. Like you have to ask yourself, okay, this needs to be done. Does this make the cash register ring or doesn't it? And if it doesn't, it goes on the distraction sign hmm. side. Now, the reason, now, I'm not saying distractions aren't things that need to get done. I'm saying this becomes your aha moment of what you need to get other people to do for you. And in the beginning, what I can tell you, I know people will say, well, that's great and wonderful, Sandra, but I don't have the cash. I'm broke right now. I don't have the cash to get those distractions done. Well, what I will tell you is you only need a short-term solution because once you start focusing on the things that make the cash register ring, you'll start generating revenue. Right. So right. you'll start having the, res- the, 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 the revenue to start hiring. So give yourself, you know, 30 to 60 days, and you will see a shift in your revenue, which will allow you to hire and up-level who you hire to do things. But in the meantime, what I want to say is this, that when you lose your excuses, you'll find your results. Because it's an excuse for women, I find, that they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Because women seem to find the money for anything they value. That is so true. So, so true. I mean, and if you don't believe me, look in your closet. I and mean, most <laughs> women have multiple pairs of black pants. 
these are my skinny black pants. These are with my bloated black pants. These are my <laughs> pants that I like to wear all day. These are my flared leg black pants. These are my, right? I mean, we've mm-hmm. got every reason, right, of why we have to have multiple black pairs of pants. That We won't even talk about black pairs of shoes, mm-hmm. right? Or as we're standing there with one of those, you know, $6 cups of coffee. Right. Or, you know, we're getting a manicure every other week you know, or our hair or whatever. I mean, Mark Cuban, I interviewed Mark Cuban, one of 1,500 billionaires on the planet. And I asked him one time, what's the number one reason you see, you know, uh, small businesses fail? And he said, and he's right, most small business owners don't want to do the real work. And part of the real work is sometimes you've got to give up a few luxuries today Right and take a few step what would what might appear to be a few steps back in order to make a quantum leap forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you got to be able to do the things you need to do today, so that you can have the things that you want, you know, tomorrow. And and again, I'm not asking for major sac- sacrifice here. Let's say, I mean, I know I know ladies that are telling me they're completely busted. They don't have any, you know, money to to invest in a virtual assistant. But I ask them, do you have anybody cleaning your house? Hmm. I ask them, are, do you get, are you getting manicures? And do you, are, you have some, are you getting your hair cut once a month? I'm not saying don't get your hair cut, but we can delay. We can do some temporary delays, right, in order to make the appropriate investments in our business. Um, I think, huge. Yeah, I think that's really huge. And I, I think that you don't know... What is possible? I think the bottom line is right. Like if you find it valuable, you'll find the money some way, somehow and make it happen. I agree with you on that. Sandra, you're in a really unique position in the sense that over the course of these now 15 years of the evolution of eWomen Network, you have become somewhat of a celebrity. I mean, you, you're well known. Your name is well known. You've, um, you know, kind of you network with other high-level people. You're sort of in that space. What is one of the things that you have experienced through this evolution as a businesswoman that you um, that you have found really surprising in that space? Like, you know, that you've had to kind of keep your feet on the ground in a certain sense. How, ha- how have you maintained who you are through this evolution and through sort of a more uh, celebrity style of, a, of an experience that you've had? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, my mother always said, you know, raised me with the notion to who much is given, much is required. So that's a personal, a very personal value that I was raised with and that I raised my children with. And I feel like you have to continue to model that, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it's about understanding that, you know, you know, we're all, I mean, if it's the one thing I've learned is that, you know, the level set is, there's one major level set on the planet. No matter what your background is, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yep. I mean, I just don't know. I haven't met anybody. I don't know. Katie, have you met anybody that gets a minute more or a minute less? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> right? I mean, I think we're all, I think we're all getting 24 hours in a day. And it's always begged the question to me, what are some people doing with their 24 hours to get those kind of results that right. I'm not doing? Right. Right. And so, it, you know, I've just found two things, you know, that if you want to be around really super successful people, you got to go to them. I mean, they just really don't come to you, right, right. <laughs> at least initially. Right. So I figured out how to make it happen. I mean, there were years, there were several years, you know, when I, where, where I was raising my children, very common for everybody to have spring break. They used to get these fall breaks, 
you know, and go fall break and go away skiing at Christmas. There were years I didn't do that with my kids. You know what I'm saying? I found other ways to, and you know, create family traditions and joy and time together and, and that kind of thing because I couldn't afford it because I was making the investment in my business. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I would say to you that you've got to stay humble. You've got to remember where you came from. But I think what you'll find is at least the people that, that are way more successful than me, what I can tell you about them is that they have stayed humble and they've come from pretty basic beginnings. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned is they have the same fears and insecurities and concerns and desires uh, for love, for fulfillment, for meaning, for happiness that I do. Mm. And, you know, I, I just have, you know, I, I used to get all nervous when I was around really successful people. And uh, what, I, what I remind myself is not how different we are, because that's, that's all that nervousness is about is by focusing on our differences right. in terms of levels of success. And I really begin to focus on the sameness, on the sameness, how we are fundamentally the same. And, um, and I think that, I think that keeps me, me, me grounded. I mean, I, I, I mean, I will tell you, I'm the first to tell you, there are people that don't like me. I mean, I, I, you know, there are times when you are a leader, when you've got to make really crappy, unpopular decisions. Right. And, and, and it's hard. It's still hard for me. I'd be lying to tell you that I don't get a tear in my eye, don't, that I don't have my moments of weeping when I've got to terminate someone, right, or, you know, separate uh, myself from something or someone or make a really unpopular decision. And as a leader, you're not always in the luxury of being able to provide all the information as to why you do what you do. Right. You know, and so as much as I can, I like to, but sometimes I can't and, and I want to so badly. And I, I hate that feeling of, you know, kind of being, you know, bound up by the inability to completely convey, but you just will find yourself in those situations where you can't. Right. And, um, and I think in the end for me, it's just finding my quiet space because there's so much noise in the world. So learning to hush the rush and finding solitude, you know, listen, rearrange the word, listen, rearrange spell silent. And so I think sometimes we've got to get really silent and listen to our hearts because our heart has a language, you know, Katie, that our mind just simply doesn't understand. Mm. And as long as I can find the space to reconcile with my heart, um, have a good cry have some really reliable girlfriends as well as business colleagues that I can tap into in those really low moments, right? Then, um, and then when I find myself digging myself in a hole, you know, as my mother said, step one, stop digging, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and ask somebody for a ladder, you know, ask somebody for a hand, become, you know, allow somebody else to be the great girlfriend to me that I've been to someone else, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. calling in a few favors every now and then. And as long as you're making lots of deposits into relationships, you'll have a balance there that when you need to make a withdrawal, right, it's there for you. Yeah. And I and I just, I try. I just, I really do try. How have you... Um I know you work. You work with your husband Kim. Um, you your kids uh, have watched you. They've like grown up watching you in this business. How do you balance 
Um, I'm not going to say balance. Sorry. How do you manage? I don't believe in balance. How how do you manage <laughs> being a mom, being a wife, being you know the leader of this organization, and being someone who's hyper involved in a lot of different stuff? How do you how do you balance all of that? Well, what I would tell you is that um, whatever gets taken for granted, I have found will eventually get taken away. So I believe in the whole notion of gratitude and any relationship that's important to you takes work. I mean, I'll be married 38 years this October. Wow. I met my husband. Thank you. I met my husband when I was a senior in high school. And what I can tell you is that it hasn't all been peachy. I mean, we've had some really rough patches. Right. And, um, and there have been times that I have said, I'm going to divorce that man. And I know there's times he said he's going to divorce that woman. <laughs> you know, and we've gone to counseling a few times in our marriage. And I'm just, I'm always reminded of one thing. And that is when it comes to my husband, I think about you know, at the time, the times that I thought about starting over, I've always said to myself, not what is it that I'm going to look for in another man, but how am I going to show up differently? Mm. What have I learned about me that would cause me to show up in a relationship in a, in a, in a, in a bigger, better way? And I start thinking to myself all kinds of things. I mean, as silly as Katie, things like, well, um, I'd probably lose five pounds. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when he called, I'd be like, hi. You know? right. I'd be like so excited to see him versus, hey. Right, right. <laughs> What's up? Right. I would, um, you know, I, I mean, I would, I might shave my legs a little bit more often. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would, I would say, you know, you know, what do you want to do this weekend? How about, how about I cook a meal and I'd have candlelight and I'd have his, his favorite meal, not mine. Right. You know what I mean? And I, and I'd be in many ways. I mean, you think about all of the stuff that we do when we're trying to attract someone into our lives. And then I just have to ask myself, well, heck, if I'm going to do this for some utter stranger, why why wouldn't I just take a shot at trying to do that with my own husband and see what happens? Because right. <laughs> I think we just keep waiting for someone else to go first, right? Yeah. And uh, and I just learned to go first. Hmm. You know, I, I I've learned that um, you know uh, you know that with my kids that I need to find out what's important to them. I mean, mommy guilt is a self-imposed wound. I just posted something. I haven't even released it yet. I just posted getting ready to release. When we get off this call, I'll be releasing a post around my daughter. She's, you know, got her own business right now. She's 24. She's in Tulum, Mexico on a shoot, and she's just talking about how much she loves her life and she loves her work. You know, and what I can tell you is that mommy guilt is a self-imposed wound, and your future doesn't deserve the punishment, you know, that your children are watching you. And now that I see how she's going after her dream, it's because, you know, while I was constantly saying and reminding her, I want you to be happy, I want you to go after your dream, she was, you know, reminding me, I, she's reminding me now how much she watched me go after mine. Right, right. So what I can tell you is, you, you know, your actions speak so loud that, you know, you're, you're um, I can't hear a word you're saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so make, we've got to make sure that our actions mirror the words of wisdom that we're giving our kids. 
And so what I learned was I need to find out what was important to them. My children will tell you, I missed things. I missed a few things, no doubt about it. But what they will also tell you is I never missed anything that was important to them. Right. So, you know, I, I, I will tell you I, I cherish my family. I cherish my relationships. And I put a lot of energy into them. I just don't take them for granted. They take work. And I, I see it as deposits, you know, just deposit, deposit, deposit. And, and you'll have those days when you'll need to make withdrawals. Right. You know, and... um you know, I had to separate from someone. I had to terminate someone not too terribly long ago. And I just felt so crappy about it, you know. And I just, you know, it was so cool when I, you know, was talking to my daughter and I just was saying, this was a really bad day yesterday. And I just feel so sick about it and all of that. And, and that day I was talking to her in the evening. And that next day, who shows up at my office? But my daughter. And she says, I'm taking you out to lunch. I think you need to pick me up. And then I say to myself, I did okay. You know, I did okay. Yep. Sandra, I want to conclude this by asking, what is your vision? Where do you see not only eWomen Network, but all of the things that you're doing in this world? Where do you see that going? What's the big vision for you? Well, you know, it's still unfolding. and And I do want to say that. I mean, I believe that even I don't know everything as to where I'm going because I'm open to transformational opportunities. I, I just don't believe that even my vision, uh, my, the vision that I have today is a limited on my capacity for information and knowledge and opportunity that I see. What I know is that there are uh, many ways for us to continue to grow. I've started my own radio network. You know, mm-hmm. we have 15 radio show hosts and one of them in Australia. I'm building, I'm going through a huge, almost $700,000 renovation on my floor in my building right now. I'm actually building my own television studio hmm. and video studio because video marketing is the name of the game, right. right? I mean, one minute of well-done video is the equivalent to 1.8 million words. So says the research by Forrester Research recently published. You know, 1.8 million words is the equivalent of 3,600 web pages mm. that you can convey. And so video is all the name of the game. I not only want to do more video, but I want to help others do video so they can move faster. Right. right? And so knowing how to tell a story, knowing how to be you know, compelling, you know, and knowing how to create action and movement through video is absolutely essential, I think, for small businesses moving forward. Um, and I wasn't really ready to do this. I wasn't, I really didn't want to do it until fourth quarter of my business plan of next year. But my lease was up in my building. And so I needed to plan for the next five years, not just what I want to do today, but five years from now, right? So, you know, it, so that's what I see coming down the pike. Right. Um, we will continue to, you know, open up chapters, you know, around the world. But in the meantime, you don't have to live in a chapter city in order to, to enjoy the benefits of eWomen Network. So we're rebuilding our website um, and uh, we're adding more content. I want to be the most content rich website for entrepreneurs on the planet, men and women. So lots of plans, lots of plans. Um, and and, Katie, what I can tell you is that um, I'm in alignment with, with what I believe my critical contribution is, what my calling is. I think we're all designed uh, and born for a reason. 
And I, I figured it out. It took me a while. You know, I didn't start even until I was 40. So, you know, I'm 55 today. And um, so I, I'm, I'm really clear and uh, what that is. And knowing that what I just do is um, I stay in alignment with the meaning that I want to make on the planet. And what I find is that um, new opportunities will continue to unfold. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's, I'm here to serve. I am a servant first. Of, uh, it's just like you and I having this wonderful conversation. You know, you offered, you said, send an email, Sandra, will you be on the radio show? I'm here at a conference, and I'm in my room right now. And it's like, of course. Of course. <laughs> no questions asked, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't respond and say, who's your audience, and how big is it, and what's the reach, and, right. you know, right, did I do any of that? No, you? no, not at all. No. No, you said sure, sure thing. <laughs> I trust that you're doing big work in the world. I know you can't do it by yourself, and it's my calling to be in service to others. Mm. And I know that it will come back to me tenfold. I know that. Well, Sandra, I can't thank you enough for being on the show, for sharing your story, and just for for really giving us such great insight about how you have built such a great company and how you work as a businesswoman. I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me. Okay, one of the coolest tips that she mentioned, very practical, but I really love that I hope that you got was her tea chart that she makes every night or every day before she starts her day the following day, which I thought was brilliant. So she has two columns. In one column, she puts important and there should be a giant money sign next to there, something that brings cash into your business. And the other column is for distractions. Um, You know that I'm a big fan of the SIS list, the super important shit list. And I think this is another really cool way to be able to structure your day before the day ever starts, which I thought was a really important point that she brought up. Um, And I really like the fact, and she just mentioned this once kind of off the cuff, but I thought it was brilliant that um, you have to be flexible as a business owner. You can't have this stick-to-itiveness and tenacity in the traditional way. Like you have to, at some point, she said, if things didn't work three times, after three times something not working that I was so sure was going to work, then I had to shift and rethink and do all that stuff. And um, and I really appreciated that. It was a very good practical way to look at some of the things that you're doing. So I would encourage you, Are you? is there something that's not working in your business that you keep pushing because maybe everyone's telling you you should do that? Um, or maybe you think or just in your head that it's something that should be done that way. Just take a look at it. And if it hasn't worked more than three times... Um, think about maybe shifting the way that you're doing it and just kind of feeling out kind of the next phase of how you're supposed to be approaching things. So I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Sandra. She's um, obviously a very wise woman and I just really appreciated what she had to say so much about relationships and surrounding yourself by really great people and delegating and all that fun stuff. So I hope you took some really good stuff from this and are implementing it in your business uh, or planning to as you're listening. So, all right, I will see you on the next episode. (music) 